Welcome to the home of the blessed people, and here is our host pastor, Pastor Dayo Ademo. Bless your word tonight. Let it mix with faith in our hearts to produce the intended fruits that you have desired of us. Thank you for viewers all over the world watching today. Thank you, Father, for those that are from the northern part of this country. Thank you from the, for the ones at the west, and thank you for the ones at the east coast. Thank you for those who are watching all the way in the United States of America, in Europe, in Africa. We welcome every one of us into your presence. And we are asking you, Lord, the Bible says the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding unto the symbol. Let light line upon our light tonight in the name of Jesus. Let no one under the sound of your voice ever go back remaining the same. Thank you for increasing us, enlarging our coast, giving us comfort on every side, helping us even through this current pandemic. Thank you, Father, for the authority you've given to us. Thank you for the things we have learned that we can exercise ourselves in. Anoint us today afresh once again as we gather insight in your word. Cause our lives never to remain the same. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And the people of God said, Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's put those winning hands together for Jesus. I'd like to welcome you all the way from your various homes and your comfort homes, zones, your bedrooms, living rooms, kitchen, wherever you are. I just want you to create the atmosphere and the consciousness of the presence of God in your, in the comfort of your home as we Study God's word together. I love you to get your writing materials, your pen and paper. You can put the plate of food down and just concentrate on the word of God that is able to change and save your souls forever. Praise God. I welcome you. I bring greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank God for what is happening. We know we still need more of him. Because, but we see that uh, confidently and boldly we can say it's no more out of control. It's in control by the grace of God, the pandemic out there. Especially in our nation, we can thank God in a great deal that uh, though the battle is still on, but we can confidently say we are beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll still continue to pray for ourselves and pray for the nations of the world as well that God himself will take charge. I know in some nations it's not the same news. Some are still battling at a heavier rate. We learned from Japan that uh, in Japan they have even declared the nation a country, a state of emergency in the whole nation. But we know also that our God is able. God who is able to deliver he said in the book of Amos that even when a lamb is three quarters in the mouth of a liar, he's still able to deliver. He's trying to give an expression, no matter how terrible, no matter how worse it is, no matter how deadly it is, God is still able to deliver. He's still able to revert situations around. In this month of restoration, we thank him and we are still calling on him 
that he will restore all things back, including everything coming back to normal in the name of Jesus. I bless your homes. I bless your family. I bless your children. I bless your business. I bless your finances. I bless everything you are laying your hands to do. God will turn it around in your favor in the name of Jesus. We will pull through this together. It will surely pass in Jesus' mighty name. Remember, you keep on saying that he is your what? He's your refuge. He's your what? He's your fortress. He's your what? He's your God, and in him will you trust. And all those 21 covenant promises will surely find expression in your life, including your going out and your coming in. He said, no plague will come near your dwelling place. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. And we've been enjoying ourselves in this series, The Authority of the Believer. We've taken a lot during this time. I wouldn't want to go over it like I've been encouraging you. Please download our app and make sure you go over these studies again and again. It will bless you. It will bless you. It helps you to see your place in Christ Jesus and the authority you have, your God-given privileges, rights, and position that you can exercise yourself in. A lot of people have this already by new birth, but number one, they don't know they have it. Number two, they are not exercising themselves. It's one thing for you to know that you have authority, but if you are not exercising your authority, you will not see the kind of results God has ordained for you to experience and see. I tell you, it's a good thing to have this knowledge that God is, that God has prepared this for us, and not just prepared it for us, he wants us to exercise it. He has given us dominion to do so. And today, we are, uh, who can remind me the part we are in right now? We've done part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, part six, part seven, part, what are we in now? Part eight, praise God. Going to part eight of this believer's authority. Today, I want to share with you about our authority in the place of prayer. That every time we stand to pray, what rights, what privileges, what positions do we have in Christ Jesus? Depending on our time, I'll be able to share at least minimum of two things as our authority in the place of prayer. Every time you're approaching the throne room of God, I don't want you to forget this authority that you have that we are going to learn today. Two verses of the scripture are so essential when the subject of prayer comes up. Two verses of the scripture. There's nothing you want to teach, say, pray, practice about prayer. That these two verses will not do great justice in the place of prayer. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Ephesians 6 18. It says, praying always. Praying always with all manner of supplication in the spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You see, the word supplication comes up there. Supplication is made for saints. Intercession is made for unbelievers, things, and places. Intercession can be made for nations, for kings, for those who are in authority. They are not necessary for believers. 
But when it comes to believers, it is supplication that is being made. That's not the teaching tonight. It's not to teach on intercession or supplication. But the Bible talks about all manner of prayers. That's why I delved into that. The second scripture that matters a lot anytime we're talking about prayer is in John chapter 15, verse 7. John chapter 15, verse 7. John chapter 15, verse 7. Please, in the comfort of your homes, flip the Bible too. Let's make sure it's a Bible study we are having. It's a glorious study. It's a study that will put us in the covenant position that God has prepared for us before the foundation of the world. What a better time to live in, a time you can put the devil where he belongs. Glory be to God. He says, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The Bible says whatever you want to ask, it's going to be done. But there are conditions in this scripture. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Any word the Bible teaches on the subject of prayer, it's included in this John 5, 7. He said, my words, if my words, not any words, if my words, if ye abide in me and my words. What does it mean to abide in Christ? That is salvation. If you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is you are beginning to abide in Christ. You are abiding in him. So, but he now says, if my words also, if you abide in me, that is you are saved, and my words abide in you. My words abide in you. If you want to enjoy results, you have to meet the conditions of the results. No one can meet conditions for you. Your pastor can't. Your best friend can't. Your parents can't. The best your pastor can do is what I'm doing right now is to encourage you. That's what others too will do. Encourage you to meet the conditions. If you want answers to your prayers, then you need to follow the instructions given to you. What are these instructions? If you abide in Jesus and his words abide in you, the Bible says you will ask what you will and it shall be done. Powerful. In that verse of scripture alone, the word you occurs five times. Five times. Which is making you understand that the answers to your prayers, your prayers being heard, your, parents, your prayers being answered depends more on you than more on God. More on you. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, he said, you will ask. You are the one who is still to, to, to ask. He said, you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me and I in you, you will ask. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I hope you are seeing these conditions this awesome evening. We certainly believe in prayers, but there are conditions to be met for it to be hard and for it to be answered. So few things to discuss 
in this awesome day that we are talking about the believer's authority in prayer. The first thing we want to discuss is our rights in prayer. Isaiah 43, verses 25 to 26. Isaiah 43, from 25 to 26, gives us insight into the authority we have in prayer. Anytime we lift up our voice, anytime that we have made up our minds to go in prayer, the privileges, the rights, and the positions we have in Christ Jesus is made available here. He said, even I, he said, I, even I, I am he that blotted out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. That is verse 25. He said, I will not remember your sins. Though this scripture was spoken directly to the natural children of God, the Israelites, praise God, it appears to us, it, it, it concerns us because we are also now the children of God. He said, it's not an Israelite only that is in the flesh. We are also Israelites in the spirit. We are children of God, spiritually speaking. We have become children of God by adoption. According to Romans 8.16, Romans 8.16, let's quickly look at that. He said, the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are now, not later, we are now the children of God. So this scripture also applies to us. The spirit beareth witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. Praise God. We are the children of God. Everybody say it loud. If you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. So this scripture is saying, it says here in Hebrews 43, I mean, sorry, Isaiah 43, uh, 25. It says it will blot out our transgressions and our sins. He said he won't even remember them no more. He's not going to remember our sins. Now, that's a very powerful statement. In Hebrews chapter 9, from verses 12 to 14 in the New Testament, tells us that the blood Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Thank God for the message on Sunday when we were teaching on the power that the blood of Jesus brings for us. This is one of it. The cleansing power is being revealed here. He said, Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. He said, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes and heifer, sprinkling unclean, sanctified to purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, shall the blood of the risen Lord, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse us? Hallelujah. So we see how we have obtained that in the new and living way, in the new covenant, how this statement being made in Isaiah has confirmed what we have become because by the blood of Christ. That is why he will remember it no more. The Bible says even if they that lived under the shadow, the natural 
children, because the Bible says the blood of goats and bulls cannot cleanse completely, it was the blood of Christ that cleanses us, that he will remember no more. Praise God. Praise God. So note it in Isaiah 43, verse 25. He said, he blotted out transgressions for his own sake and not my sake. That's the funniest thing there. The reason why he's removing the sins is for his own sake. I used to think that it was for my sake he removed it. No, it's for his own sake. It's for him to be true and not to be a liar. Why for his own sake? One of the reasons he did it for his sake was so that he can bless you and I. If iniquity is there, he cannot bless us. If sin was still there, he cannot bless us. The Bible says his eyes are so pure, he cannot behold iniquity. He will not be able to bless us. But for his own sake, so that he will not deny us the blessing he has promised, he removed our sins. He removed our transgressions. For, and he said he will not remember it no more for his own sake. Ha, ha, ha. Glory be to God. He could, <laughs> glory be to God. So he did all that so that, like I said, for his own sake, to blot our transgressions and to forgive our iniquities. He did it for his own name's sake. And are you ready for this? Let's look at verse 26 of, of Hebrews, <laughs> of Isaiah, sorry. Isaiah 43, 26. My God, I'm about to lose it here. Glory be to God. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Uh, verse 26, he says, put me in remembrance. Glory be to God. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou, declare it, that thou mayest be justified. Glory. Put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance that I will not remember your sin no more. Put me in remembrance. Glory be to God. This is powerful. This reminds me of parents. I've been a parent myself. I'm still a parent. And I've lived under parents. I, I, I love it when my, when my parents make a promise. And they say, remind me. <laughs> Especially when it's a promise of goody goody. <laughs> when it's a promise of something that will beneficial and be beneficial to me. Uh, how many people know that kids don't forget? I'm sure my kids are watching from home too. There's one of them that is very passionate about reminding me. They will remind me in the morning. Once I say, remind me. Even before I go to bed, I will be reminded. When I wake up in the morning, good morning, dad. This and this, I hope you haven't forgotten your promise. In the afternoon, they can give me a friendly phone call. Or like to use today's language, they'll give me a friendly reminder that uh, I hope you still remember your promise. And in the evening, as, uh, as I'm coming back home, that's the first thing they are confronting me with again. Remember you said this. Remember you said me this. Praise God. So that's the kind of relationship that God is uh, letting us understand. He said, remind, remind me now. Remember. He said, remind me concerning my promises. Praise the Lord. God said, put me in remembrance that I am he that blots out transgressions and I will not remember your iniquities. He said, I will not remember your iniquities. Put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. 
So first thing we are going to say, our authorities and rights in the place of prayer, because we are talking of believers' authority and our place in the place of prayer. I, I want us to first know that our rights, our privilege, our position and authority is to remind God of his forgiveness and forgetting all our mistakes. Say, remember me, remind me. God does not forget his word or promises. So why does he tell us to put him in remembrance? He's not a man that would lie. He's not the son of man that would repent. As he said, will he not do it as he spoken? Will he not bring it to pass? But why is God saying that you should remind him? That I should remind him? Why? Why is God saying that? The answer is this. When you remind him, you also remind yourself. God wants you to come in that revelation. God wants you to come in that knowledge. God wants you to come in that understanding. In the name of Jesus, glory be to God. God does not forget his word or promises. So why does he tell us to put him in remembrance? So you can remind him also. And when you remind him, you are reminding yourself. Praise God. So it's important you remind yourself of God's forgiveness. Because when you go to God in prayer, one of the strategies of the enemy is to try to put on you or bring you all your past failures and sins before you. Your past failures and sin, he tries to bring it before you, telling you you are not qualified. No, you can't talk to God. No, God will not answer you, and so on and so forth. So put God and yourself in remembrance. Put yourself and God in remembrance, saying, look, yes, I have failed. Yes, I have missed it, and I have fallen short of the glory. But, Lord, you said in your word that you blot out my transgressions and my sins. You will remember no more. That's what God said. God said, put me in remembrance of this. Put me in remembrance. There are days and there are times when you are approaching God for a particular thing. And that particular thing you are approaching God for, you have made a mistake in the past for it. You have made a mistake in the past. And the devil will throw guilt at you. He will throw defeat at you. He will throw failure at you. He will call you names. You're an hypocrite. And so on and so forth. No. The sins and iniquities, he said he will remember no more. That was why people like Apostle Paul were so bold to say, we have offended no man, we have hurt no man. This was a man that was a murderer in his past life. He killed a lot of believers. He killed saints. I wonder what he and Stephen are going to discuss when they get to heaven. Because he was the one who assassinated Stephen. But he said, we have not offended any man. We have not taken from anybody. We have not. So why? Why was he saying that? He's conscious of this statement. Sins and iniquities, I remember no more. And that is the truth. If God says it, that's the final authority. Praise God. So you say in your word that my sins you will not remember anymore. Thank you, Father. I have come into your presence as though I had never sinned. I have come into your presence as sin never existed. Glory be to God. And that is you. 
That is the privilege we have in Christ Jesus. That you should know as, as somebody trying to exercise his God-given authority in prayer. Praise God. Yeah, you should know these things. That your sins and iniquities, he remembers them no more. He said, put me in remembrance of it. Glory be to God. You must live in the consciousness of this. This does not in any way give license to go and sin again and again. No, that's not what we are talking about here. We are talking about the grace of God that is available to wipe out your past, to wipe out past transgressions. God will not remember it anymore. Yes, he's God and he won't remember it anymore. Praise God. God bless you as you do that in the name of Jesus. He says, if he does not remember, he's God. So why do you want to remember the past sins? Why do you want to remember the past failures? Bringing up past sins is a ploy of the devil to defeat us. And you know he's a defeated foe. Jesus Christ came to take care of the four S's. I call them the four S's. He came to take care of our sins. He came to take care of our sickness. He came to take care of Satan himself. He came to take care of Mr. Self, your old nature, the old man on the inside of you. Glory be to God. So Isaiah 43, 25 and 26 says, removes all our guilt over past mistakes. Jesus has removed our guilt over past mistakes. I want you to say this loud because I want you to get it with the whole of your mouth. Lord, I put you in remembrance. Say it after me. Lord, I put you in remembrance. You have blotted out my transgressions. You've forgiven my sins. I stand in your presence as though I have never sinned. Write that down. Write it down. And go any time and every time. The enemy wants to throw past at you. Declare that. He said, declare it. Even I am the one that blotted out thy transgressions. For my own name's sake, I will not remember thy sins. I will not remember thy sins. Hallelujah. Not only can you put the Lord in remembrance of your of, I mean, put him in remembrance that he has blotted out your sin and transgression that has been wiped out. Not only that, you can also put him in remembrance of all his promises concerning prayer. Put him in remembrance that your sins and your iniquities have been wiped out. Also put him in remembrance of what? Of his promises concerning prayer. Put him in remembrance. Every time you're going to exercise your authority, you need to do these two things. Praise God. Reminding God of his word. God does not forget his word or his promises. That's why his promises are yes and amen. Praise God. He said, my word have highly exalted above my name. His promises are sure banker. Heaven and earth can pass away, not a jot, not an iota, not an inch of his word will go unfulfilled. God's word is the final authority in the realm of the spirit. That's why we must be armed with the word of God at all times. His word is not slow as some count slackness. His word is quick, it's powerful. Hebrews 4.12, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder, every joint, soul, spirit, and marrow. That's why the word of God says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly, not poorly. Let it dwell in you richly, richly. 
Hallelujah. The word of God is the final authority in the realm of a spirit. Brethren, don't joke with his word. His promises, you should bring it before him, reminding him of what he has promised. Always know that. A great man of God in the 18th century or 19th century, I should say, Charles G. Finney, a lawyer, a renowned revivalist of his day. He was a lawyer at the age of 29, joined the Church of the Living God with an aim to go and increase his clientele. He did not go to church to seek for Jesus. He went to church just to go and see how he can boost his law firm because he saw a lot of people gathering in church. Uh, some people do that even still to date. To date. <laughs> Amen. But, but Charles G. Finney, by the grace of God, got saved. And when he got saved, God called him to be a revivalist of his day. There was a time, he's still in history. This is documented history. He came to Rochester, New York here. Rochester is about, is less than two hours drive from Canada here. Rochester, New York. He went to a particular city. And almost all the city got saved. Almost all the city got saved in Rochester, New York here. Still documented as part of the history of that town that the revivalist came once. And John G. Lake had, I mean, Charles G. Finney had a lot of success in this revival, transforming his generation for Jesus. One of the secrets to his success was prayer. Prayer. Prayer was the key thing. Prayer was the key key thing to his success. That was his secret. His secret to his success was the prayer life. And history has it that he would wake up in the morning praying as early as 4 a.m. He would pray till about 8 a.m. Four hours constant and consistent. Now, he was wise. He's not that he's going to start praying in the city. That uh, pray in such a way that uh, it will now be disturbing the whole town. No, he will go far from the city and be praying, praying, praying. And it was noted that he prayed some dangerous prayers. One of the keys to his success in ministry and in assignment was the way he brought God to remembrance of his word. As a lawyer, probably because he knew how to argue, uh, cases and you know cases for lawyers is always based on precedent and the law. The law and precedent for us as children of God is the word of God. Is precedent. That's what makes you a good lawyer, arguing about the precedent and the law. Praise God. History has it that he will, he will find himself saying to the law, Lord, don't you think we are going to have a revival? We are going to have a revival and you are going to start it. And he will start telling the Lord of his promises concerning revival. You said this, you said that. The hour has come to fulfill it. And he will wait on God, groan in prayer until God delivers the city into his hands. Praise God. How could Finney be so bold anytime he's praying? Why was boldness one of the hallmarks of his ministry? How could he be so bold? He understood his authority and covenant rights in prayer. His authority and covenant rights in prayer. 
Now, it's authority and covenant rights in prayer. The authority we stand on is the authority of God's word. Like I said, in the realm of the spirit, that's the perfect law, the word of God. There is no demon in the pit of hell that can make God's word of non-effect. That's why the Bible says his word is yes and amen. Once the word of God is in, that is it. Praise God. That's the authority of the world. Praise God. Authority of the world. Now, what are the covenants right? Now, let's first go to the Old Testament for us to understand. You see, saints in the Old Testament really understood the covenant. They stood on covenant. They related on covenant. They knew their covenant right. They knew all that he, this A has belongs to B. If there's a covenant between A and B, they will say all that B has is A's. And all that B, A has is B's. They change, they exchange, they know that. Now, so if you have a covenant with God, you know you are all of his and he's all of yours. Now, they understood. And they stood on the covenant to intercede, to pray. For example, Abraham, you know the story in the book of Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 12 thereabout, praise God. In the book of Genesis chapter 18, sorry, when he was interceding concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. He started, he said, will the Lord destroy this city if 50 good people are found there? And he started negotiating till they got to 10. And the, 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 the Sodom and Gomorrah was marked out for destruction. I'm sure that if Abraham went further and said, okay, for Lord's sake, don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he could have still said, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because of his covenant. Abraham realized that he had covenant standing with God. The two of them had a covenant with each other. Abraham understood his covenant rights in prayer. He intervened on behalf of two cities and made a deal with God. Praise God. The second thing here is that covenant, the covenant, pro, the covenant provided both parties with certain rights. You have rights as a covenant partner. You have rights. Number three, Abraham knew that he had covenant rights in prayer. He could exert it in prayer. Abraham standing with God. So we hear him speaking plainly. In verse 25 of Genesis 18, he said, Shall not the judge of the whole, whole world do right? Praise God. Look at that manner of conversation. Will you not spare this city for 10 righteous people? He said, yes, I will if I find 10. Throughout the Old Testament, we find people who understood and took their place in covenant with God. Joshua opened the path of Jordan River because he has a covenant with God. He prayed the sky to stand still, and it did stand still. Elijah brought fire out of heaven to consume water-soaked offering at the altar. David's mighty men were shielded from death time and time again as long as they remember the covenant. Practically all the prayers of the Old Testament were prayers by God's covenant people. They had to be answered. 
just based on the covenant. But guess what? In the new covenant, the Bible makes us to understand that we have a better covenant. We have a better covenant. We live under a better covenant. According to Hebrews 8 chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. Let's quickly turn there. We are under the new covenant, a better covenant, established on better promises, the Bible says. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he has, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Now, the Old Testament saints, David, Old Testament believers, Abraham, David, and so on, they had a covenant. But the Bible says the covenant we have by the blood of Jesus, because without the, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there can't be a covenant. So now he's saying, look, we have a better covenant. We have a better agreement. We have a better yoking with the Lord, better than the Old Testament sake. Saints, glory be to God. And if there are better promises, that means there are better rights and privileges and better authority than they had. Glory be to God. Tell somebody we have it better. We have it better. So what, so the authority and the covenant right we have is greater and better than what the Old Testament saints had. Praise God. So we have to put God in remembrance of his word. Praise God. Amen. Reminding God of his promises. That's a challenge from God to us. He said that we should bring our case. In verse 26, I want us to read that very well. In verse 26 of Hebrews. I mean, Isaiah 43, 26, sorry. Isaiah 43, 26. He said, let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Declare thou. Let us plead together. Declare thou. Another translation says, put forth your cause. Put forth your cause that you may be justified. That's a challenge from God to us. Bring your strong reasons. Why do you want this prayer answered? Bring it out. Just like the, uh, like the saints of old brought their strong reasons. Praise God. Why should Jordan split for Joshua? So that the people can pass. That's the strong reason. The covenant must go over. We must go over to the promised land. That's the strong reason. Why should the sun be still? So that we can win the battle. We are children of light. <laughs> what, the more light we have during the day, the more we can defeat our enemy. Bring your strong reasons. Abraham tried from 50 to 10 to save, at least it was delayed. Praise God. Bring your strong reasons. Do you have your strong reasons? There was a time in a man of God's ministry, somebody was sick unto death. He had a terrible accident in his place of work and he was going to die. The man of God and the wife of the man of God, they were keeping vigil. The man of God would go and stay with the man overnight and the lady will come and stay in the morning till the night. The man of God did not really know 
this scripture too well. Then he didn't have a strong revelation. You see, that's why the Bible says praying all manner of prayer. Praise God. He didn't know which prayer to pray, but he knew he had to pray. But by the Spirit of God, he was led to this place. That if you bring strong reasons, he said, come, let us reason together. Bring your strong reason that thou mayest be justified. He said, declare thou. I will show up. So, the man brought strong reasons. So, all the while when they were just believing God, believing God, believing God, they were believing God, the man would make it, the man would, and the man was a good Christian. A, a good Christian. On all sides. In fact, he was a man of God's superintendent, Sunday school superintendent. And he was working in the oil industry. He had an accident in the oil industry. He fell and he was in coma. And the doctors already announced that he's not going to make it. He said, they are just waiting for him to die. But the man of God said, he would stay and he would pray. And after praying for a while, he would be tired, then he would sleep off. When he sleeps off, he will see that the man is truly dying. He's changing color. Then he will go. So when he started praying in the spirit, the spirit led him to this place. That he should bring strong reasons before the Lord. Then he would go on the corridor of the hospital. And he started praying his strong reasons to the Lord. He said, Lord, this man, of a truth, if it's not what he gives, they will not even be in ministry. Because the man was giving, he was a wealthy uh, member of the church, not just wealthy, it was because of the percentage of his giving. He was giving almost 40% of his income. He said, wow, he said, this man should not go. Why? They will not be afloat if this man was in there. Not only that, he was an example of the believer in the community. That if this man goes, a lot of Christians in the community will lose heart. He started bringing the strong reasons. He said, the third reason why this man shouldn't go, he was only 49 years old then. He hadn't fulfilled his destiny. He hadn't fulfilled the number of his days. Number four, he said this man was the one deputizing for him. He said we'll be able to fulfill his evangelistic call if this man wasn't there. He started giving the reasons, giving the reasons. About 10 reasons he prepared before the Lord. And he was pacing, bringing strong reasons. Lord, you have to keep him. It was until the man came back to life when he was giving his testimony. He said, this, this, this is a true life story I'm sharing with you. It happened in Texas there, Texas in the United States. He said, when the man came back, he said, Christians should stop weeping when Christians die. He said, it's glorious exit. He said, the reason is because he's been there. He said, when he got to heaven, he said, it's a lovely place. Nobody gets there and wants to come back. There is no way. He said, when he got to heaven and he was being welcomed and all that, then Lord Jesus now told him, he said, you have to go back. He said, why? Because he now mentioned the preacher's name. He said, he won't let you go. He said, you will have to go back. He said, he wept bitterly. 
how can I, how can I leave this place to go back to the earth? He said, no. So the man's first testimony was to tell the whole world that, look, <laughs> when Christians die, don't mourn. Be happy for them. It's a better experience. He said, words on this earth cannot express the expression. It's glory throughout. So he had to come back to the earth. Now was when the man of God also understood the importance of this praying. That so those strong reasons, the Lord really had them. As he was saying it, because it was around three times. After he, was, he would pray, he would go back, he would be tired, he would sleep off. He would see that, oh, the man is coming back, the color is changing again. And he would go again, when he sleeps off, when he goes to and watch, he will see that he's changing color again. He will go back and pace the floor, back and forth, praying back and forth, praying back and forth, praying back and forth. He will go, he will see the man is changing color again. He's alive. When he goes to doze off again, he will see the man is going again. And he, he was battle all night. And now he now understood that he was staying there, kept the man alive, kept the man alive. And he himself in his confession said, it's not every member of the church he will do that for. He, he said, some other people, he just said, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. He said, but this man, he said, it's only after work, his church and ministry. He gave himself. He was an example. He was this, he was that in the community. So it was worth it for him standing for him. All the things they said could not happen because he fell from a very tall place. His back was broken, everything. They said, oh, even if he's alive, he will be like a vegetable. Every area, God healed him. God, even his hand that they said he couldn't use again, that the bones were chattered. God gave him a creative miracle. It was so much, and he was fully restored. That's strong reasons, strong reasons. Have you given God strong reasons lately why you want things to change? Have you given God strong reasons why you want him to do one particular thing in your life? Have you sat down to gather those reasons? Because this is a believer's authority we are talking about. You can exercise your God-given authority in this area. Maybe you haven't taken out time to produce strong reasons why you want God to do it for you. Let those reasons be strong. Let it be scriptural. I've had people bring strong reasons, but they are not scriptural. You've seen, you've seen people say, okay, I want, God, I want you, God, to do this for me so that I can show my friends that I have a true and living God. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, will God answer that kind of fleshly prayer? You just want to show you want to show and, uh, you know, show, showmanship, show off. This is a product of the flesh. God's name will not be glorified in such a thing. But let it be godly reasons. Godly reasons. Godly reasons. And you'll see your God show up for you. I want to encourage you, learn to plead your case. Learn to plead your cause. And you will see God show up for you. I'm sure you have been blessed today by the authority of the believer, and I'm sure that you are going to exercise your authority in this realm I've showed you. Don't forget, you can exercise those authority simply by putting God in remembrance in two realms. Put him in remembrance of 
the sins and iniquities that he will remember no more, put him also in remembrance of his promises. And learn also to plead your case before him. As you plead your case before him, he will surely grant you the desires of your heart. Because he says when you abide in him, when you abide in him and his words abide in you, you will ask anything in his name and he will grant it unto you. This week, I want you to go out there and exercise your authority. Hallelujah. The assignment this week is also, even for the other nations of the world, uh, exercise your authority. Exercise it and say, these are my strong reasons why coronavirus should get out of the air. That, that is an assignment for you. These are my strong reasons why I should have that degree or I should pass that exam. These are my strong reasons why I should be favored today. These are my strong reasons why my business should receive favor in this line. These are my strong reasons why I should be healthy if you are challenged in the place of health. These are my strong reasons, and so on and so forth. Praise God, and you will see God come through for you. Some of you, you can sing in such a way. Some of you, you can make people laugh. These are the good reasons why you shouldn't, be, why you shouldn't leave the surface of the earth. God, you know me. You know me. Praise God. That I know many people can praise you, but you know I praise you in a special way. Hallelujah. You know I do that. Bring your strong reasons. Strong reasons. You know the sad thing in life, many believers don't even have, they themselves know their reasons are not strong. Because when you are given the platform to do one thing or the other for your Lord, perhaps you left it behind. Today I believe that it will give you a privilege and opportunity to rededicate your life to the things of God. Because a time will come in the day when money has no value, when nothing has no value. It is this, it is the things, it is the service you have rendered, it is the place you have touched the heart of God that will begin to count. Hallelujah. May you have strong reasons on your day of reckoning. On the day that it will be called for, may you have reasons to present why God should do one thing or the other for you. I'll just give you a few minutes uh, before we pray. Perhaps you have questions. I want you to put it on the live chat, on the YouTube channel, and the, the, the staff here will get the questions across that will be able to ask, I mean answer, uh, and God will bless you as you do that. In the meantime, I just want us to begin to pray. I want us to commit our hearts into God's hands. In this series of Believer's Authority, you have learned so many things, so many areas. The word you learned today is that you are on a better covenant, on better promises than the Old Testament saints. If God can answer the Old Testament saints based on reasons they bring before him, how much more you? How much more you? They brought a man to Jesus. They said, Lord Jesus, this man, his son died. He said this man had been given to the temple. He had been given to God's house. That Lord Jesus, you must not let this man's child die. You must raise him from the dead. Why? He had been a faithful man. He had been faithful 
to the things of God. He had been faithful to the promises of God. And he brought strong reasons. And God, of course, intervened. I see God step into the terrain of your life in the name of Jesus. Perhaps there are one or two things you are believing God for, trusting God for, to turn for you. By virtue of this study tonight, I want you to exercise your authority. I want you to exercise your God-given privilege and right in the place of prayer and stand on the word of God. Yes, you are there in your home with your family. Perhaps there is one thing you are believing God for to turn in your favor. I want you to stand on the authority of God's word and give him reasons. Perhaps you even need God to inspire you for those reasons. You can ask him because he's the one at work both to will and to do of his good pleasure in your life. Talk to him. Talk to him. Ask him to do it for you. Thank you, Father. Bande gebo setalaba breske runteke mosoto lindeke maraya basodo igemaluso toruye masete braska braska braska. Thank you for your children, oh God. Thank you because as they are calling upon you, you will answer. You will show them greater mighty things that they don't know anything about. Thank you for victory. Thank you for success. Thank you for progress. Thank you for advancement. Thank you for many out there that don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Father, you will inspire us in this season to even make them come to the saving grace and saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God Almighty, because coronavirus is out of this earth. Hallelujah. I thank you because you have made us overcomers in this life. I bless every home, every family, every marriage out there. I bless every individual. I bless every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every teenager, every toddler attached to this great ministry. And all those who are watching us right now, I'm asking you to open the heavens over them. Bless them, protect them. Shield them from every form of danger and let your name be glorified. Thank you, Father. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we are. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed by the word today. Please join our services live every Sunday, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and Bible study every Friday, 7 p.m. at 95 Church Street, St. Catharines. We hope you have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you.